Welcome to the Crypto Podcast. You can find all our episodes on the CryptoPodcast.org. We're also on BitChute and YouTube. I'm also a podcasting coach because I've got five podcasts and you'll find everything on Rycon.com. Today, my guest, please welcome Frank Prove. Hey, thank you for having me on, Roy. Much appreciated. No problem at all. So you might let the listeners know who's Frank. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. Thanks for thanks for once again having me on and and, and inquiring. So I spent the past 10 years out in Silicon Valley uh, working predominantly in enterprise software. Prior to co-founding Augmenter Labs, we I I worked for a company called Qualia, where I started the sales team. I was one of the original members of the sales organization, and we were able to scale from no revenue when I joined to an over $1 billion valuation. Um, after that, I worked at Slack up until the Salesforce acquisition that happened. And then as of a year ago, I co-founded Augmenter Labs uh, with my, my co-founder, Rohit Gandhi. Um, and we've been focused on the blockchain space ever since. And specifically, we've been working with um, corporations and organizations, projects and individuals as well that are looking to bring their NFT platforms or their NFT offerings to market. Um, and we focus predominantly enabling them to have their own storefronts and sell from their own website. Um, and then we make things easier for people buying NFTs from those creators by allowing those, those purchasers to swipe a credit card uh, and have a wallet automatically generated for them should they not have one. I wasn't aware that uh, Salesforce bought Slack. When, when did that happen? So that was um, well, well over. That was about well over a year, about a year and a half ago. Okay. Okay. So I suppose before we talk to, about what, what the NFTs and what you're actually in going into detail, you might let me know your your crypto journey itself. Yeah. So my i've always been someone that followed the space um, ever since 2016 you had that acceleration and in, in bitcoin that originally happened i was curious about it because it does have a number of enterprise applications and my specialty has always been in enterprise software uh, specifically with systems of record right so you know being able to understand empirically what things are is something that is essential to a system of record and a distributed ledger very, very much, you know, fulfills that objective. So I started following it for a number of years. My co-founder was um, a much more avid, more active crypto investor. I was never necessarily a big investor in crypto, but he determined that it was an area where there was inefficiencies from a technology standpoint, and there was an opportunity, opportunity to provide technology that could uh, service different markets within that space. Cool. So I mean, I missed the crypto market myself. I know I, I was kind of, it was brought to the table very early, Bitcoin brought to the table in front of me, missed it. Ethereum very early days. And I, but the NFTs based on just doing this crypto, I saw somebody and they, that was on my show. They done the digital art and I went, I like that. And because I'm kind of in partnership with a friend of mine from Argentina doing website and animation, I just said, I have the right network because I've got artists and now we're putting something together. And it was actually uh, Melissa that was on my show, Melissa Da Silva, that actually mentioned you. And, you know, and like I said, okay, this sounds actually good. So I'd like to know as much as I can about it because recently I've been bidding on stuff on open season. There's a lot, there's a lot of spammers. It's a, it's a, there's yes. some brilliant stuff, 
but it is a wild west at the moment. Well, Roy, I, I definitely like how you were able to extrapolate my long-winded explanation of my crypto journey and be able to very precisely say, well, Frank, I missed the crypto markets as well. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you're, 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 you're spot on. You're, you know, I think that in some ways, we're kind of entering into this market around the year 2000, right? I'm bullish on the market in the same way I was bullish on web, web, web one and web two. And I believe that the best companies that are emerging are gonna be the ones that have uh, been founded and created and gained their traction after that initial deflation of that bubble that, that, that we're going through right now. But yeah, I mean, in, in terms of NFTs, you mentioned OpenSea um, and you mentioned um, you know, getting involved with investing and, and purchasing NFTs. We view the space as being more complex than, than meets the eye. And there's going to be a broader application for this technology than is currently being applied. Uh, right now, you hear a lot about the art stuff. You hear about $65 million board apes or $800,000 board apes on the lower end or $500,000 ones. And although that has garnered or that has attracted a lot of media attention, uh, the application of the NFT technology from our perspective uh, will be much broader. It will be every concert ticket, every airline ticket, every customer loyalty rewards program will be, will be tokenized. You will have your resume, being able to empirically know where somebody worked, for instance. There's an entire industry that exists around verifying that. That can be automated from a Web3 standpoint. I'm going to interject there because that's a beautiful one because a lot of people, they'll only put in the ones where they'll get a good re reference from and something where they got fired or they done something dodgy, they'll actually leave out. And by having full traceability, you'll actually spot that. It, you're right on, Roy. That's exactly it. So we just see the market as being deeper. I mean, the people that look at the current bubble that's kind of deflating right now within the NFT space and they say, well, you know, it's a bubble, it's speculative, people are acting crazy. They're right. But the people that look at this technology and understand that, wow, this is going to affect every consumer within the future economy are also correct. So it depends on how far you want to see into the future with regards to um, NFTs. Like the way I'm looking at this, I mean, you mentioned the board apes. Do I get that? No. Do I see? I saw somebody, I don't know what they go up to, but I saw somebody paying quarter of a million for art does it have utilities i don't think so you know where's the digital art i'm creating something that's going to be unique beautiful with music because my brother's a musician it's going to be fantastic and i can understand an artist looking at this the same with photography i've got photographers as well where you're getting something beautiful i get that and as like say musicians musicians have been shafted for years you know the big boys yeah yeah they give them pittance even the likes of spotify and all them they're not, I know I know people that told me they're not getting anything or they're getting pennies, like fractions. There's so much corruption going on. This stops all that. And yes. most people aren't even aware of it. You know, it's very early days, but there's a lot of people creating <laughs> replica board apes and they're, they're basically giving them all, all away to people, trying to get them then to pay for gas fees. And there's so much like there's millions probably at this stage millions upon millions of different pictures and the way i look at it is what what good is that to me is it collecting something not really but then again do i understand why people are collecting certain nike runners no but if there's a demand for it then yeah let, let that group get into the their little market 
you know, Roy, your 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 perception spot on when when you say, are, are you really collecting anything? Well, not not really. I I think that's an accurate assessment. We view the art space, especially with musicians um, and painters and digital artists as being a little bit different than the market perceives currently. Uh, we believe that the NFTs themselves are a incredible means of supporting an artist that you're a fan of, right? It's, it's something that can come directly from the musician, directly from the digital creator. And you can think of it as a form of donation that goes directly to that digital creator. But the important thing about this, rather than just sending money on Patreon to the digital creator, this is a donation that you can actually resell. And it's a donation that if you resell it, the person purchasing it from you, if they share a similar perspective, and that is we're doing this to support the artist, they also, the purchaser or the repurchaser achieves that end because there is a royalty that is paid to the original artist. So if you take that, that perspective of, hey, NFTs are about supporting artists directly, then the market seems a lot more logical or the market, I should say, that the, our approach to the market would be a little bit different than, than you're seeing right now. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be buying digital art as a speculative asset. I'm not, I'm not going to like point to anybody and say, oh, you should or shouldn't do this. But I think that it would be the most prudent approach to treat NFTs for artists as being a, as a means of supporting the artist itself. Exactly. And I mean, if I go back to over 20 years ago, I had a pet peeve with Microsoft because they said, I'm after buying this software, which at the time wasn't that cheap. You know, you buy a computer and then when you get another computer, you have to buy the software again. It wasn't something, whereas now when you're buying things, you're allowed to sell it on. And the artist, you know, depending on what royalty they have set, some are setting at 10%, but I've seen others with a lot less, but at least the artist is benefiting. And the fact that you can actually sell it on I think is wonderful. Yeah. Well, I mean, the guidance that I give artists that I work with is set your royalty really high. Set your royalty really high because the primary incentive for somebody purchasing the NFT should be wanting to support you, right? You want to set your royalties high, right? So the re people that are buying it on the reseller market know that they're supporting you. And at the same time, you don't want to flood the market with your NFTs because if someone, if, if you flood the market with your NFTs, then nobody's going to buy the NFTs that you have on the secondary market because they can support you directly by buying them from you. So as soon as people buy them, they'll become worthless because there's more NFTs that you're flooding the market with. If you control the number, right, and you keep your royalty high, I believe that royalties or NFTs will sustain their value on the secondary market and there'll be an incentive for people to purchase them because they support you. There'll be an incentive for people to buy them on the reseller market as well because the royalty is high, it supports you and they'll sustain their value because they're limited in their quantity. Exactly, and like a lot of them, they're giving out a load at the start just to kind of build, I suppose, their community. But the way I see that is when you give out stuff free, you're building a free community. You're not building, you know, people that are actually in like, like say it's the photography. Now just say my own stuff or the digital art. 
that they really appreciate what the person is doing. I mean, we're going to have ones with a photography that does X of X, but the, most of the stuff we're going to do is an exclusive one of one and have the community then for that. And if they want to resell it, we'll have our gallery that they can come in and sell it because it's in our interest because the royalty will actually justify it. And you're building the community around real people that are following what you're doing. Exactly. Exactly. So I suppose, like, I know that you can put it in with the Shopify and everything. How is it going to work regarding your actual coding system? Is it go to just say it's me, right? Let's take me as an example, you know, because a lot of people, they create their own, I, I think the term is minting your, 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 when you're putting it onto the system. Does your technology then link into that or does it have to be created into your system? Yeah, so th that's a that's a great question. So right now, um, the way things are structured with both um, Shopify and we have a beta with Squarespace, essentially, uh, if somebody purchases an NFT from the platform, we use a process called lazy minting. The NFT is then purchased or excuse me, minted after the lazy minting, and then a if the consumer doesn't have a wallet. Uh, our system creates a wallet on behalf of the consumer or it's moved into a, a custodial wallet specifically so that they don't have to go through that cumbersome process of having to bring a wallet to the transaction, which we really believe is one of the barriers. Definitely. Um, yeah, yeah. So this is all controlled with scripts on the back end currently. Our, our back end is, is built in Java and we function as essentially a plugin for uh, Squarespace and Shopify. And we look to have our own storefront one day as well. And like, because I'm, I'm new to this, right. I, yeah. like I, I've looked at open C and I, I kind of get like, cause you like it's Ethereum based. It's, I, I know there's now three or four different ones, but they've got the W E T H, which stops the gas fees then because you can actually do all the different things. But then when you do the bid, it's the actual final transaction that actually goes through. So it's kind of something similar really that would be going on in the back end. Absolutely. I mean, open, my understanding is OpenSea now uses a lazy minting process as well, where it's minted upon purchase, and that saves a lot in gas fees to the artist itself. But the flow is very much one of you are the artist, you own your own storefront, um, you're not in somebody else's storefront like you are on a secondary or tertiary marketplace like OpenSea or LooksRare or Rarible. You own that storefront, somebody buys directly from you. Right, the NFT is minted, and then there's an, a wallet that is auto-generated for the end consumer. Should they not have a wallet, so this what this does is this increases the number of potential buyers for the artists, because as it stands right now, only 250,000 people have ever bought an NFT. Right, the number is incredibly low, especially when you compare that to the 130 million people that have bought crypto. And the, the genesis behind that problem, the reason why most artists don't sell NFTs is because the process of buying them is too complex. You have to sign up for a wallet, you have to buy crypto, you have to sign up for a marketplace, you have to connect your wallet to the marketplace. It's too many steps. And you mentioned Ethereum on top of it, the gas fees are gonna be too high. And so we eliminate all those problems. Buying an NFT from a user on Shopify or Squarespace is no different than buying any other good online because you can process with traditional payment methods like a credit card. And if you don't have that wallet piece, that's auto-generated on the back end for the end consumer. Yeah, and like just my own experience, because 
like I think the reason that I didn't jump on the crypto was when people were talking about wallets. I was kind of like, yeah, creating a wallet, putting on your phone and all this. I just didn't get it. So like somebody basically came that was big into crypto, sat down with me and showed me. And then he had nothing to do with NFTs. I had to figure that one out myself. And I remember getting the Ethereum and transferring it. And it was like panic. Did I do this right? Because I know that if you say, if you send it to the wrong wallet, I make a mistake. It's gone. It just disappears. It's not like in a bank account, you send it to the wrong bank account, it comes back and lets you know that's not the right bank account or you can actually get it back. You have to be careful with this. So what you're creating, you're basically taking out a lot of the errors that are happening and simplifying it because you know people, it scares them to know about that as well because there's so much corruption in this space they're, they hear about that more than what the beautiful things that are going on. Yeah, 100% right. And I, my co-founder and I really believe that the future of, of custody or of custody of digital assets like NFTs or cryptocurrencies is going to be in custodial wallets. For instance, investing in the equities markets, I'm really happy that Fidelity custodies my assets or E-Trade custodies my assets. If I had to have those stock certificates in my name, it would represent a massive liability having to carry that around. It could be stolen very, very easy, easily. So we expect the crypto markets to evolve in a similar capacity and for there to be a custodial wallet that a lot of our assets are, are held in with a trusted third party. Excellent. And like we mentioned, OpenSea, based on all my research, there's a lot of them out there now. You know, some of them are trying to specialize in a certain thing. Are you going to cover them all? Or are you originally kind of going to be open sea is, uh, is, is the main one? Well, I mean, we're looking to build out integrations with third-party marketplaces. We also believe that having a centralized system of record where the user can not only understand how is my clientele doing, who, they, who are they, what are the revenue streams coming from this practice, but also a centralized means of managing all those relationships with the third-party marketplace. It really is going to be how the space evolves, right? So we'd like to start with building out integrations with the larger marketplaces and then move into the mid-size and smaller, more independent ones after that. With the bidding then, because like... There's some stuff, prices listed, and you buy it. And then there's another one, it's on auction. Is that something that you're able to incorporate as well in your system? So we are looking to incorporate the bidding system into it. Right now, we're dealing with fixed-priced NFTs, but being able to have an auction-based system is something that we've seen gain a lot of popularity, obviously, on the marketplaces that we just described. And we hope to incorporate that too into our platform. And because I've been bidding last week on something and it's a big company and i'm convinced i won't mention them just for because i'm trying to get in contact with them but it was a bidding system and i could see that there was loads of bids coming in and i was like this doesn't look right and i started tracking because of the blockchain technology you can click on who bid and i said these guys have never bought anything what's going on here a lot of the cones and they bid up everything. And I, like, I really wanted one of them because it was not about the art. It was going for a cause that I'm kind of not really supporting because of what I, you know, because I'm exposing fraud and corruption. So, you know, kind of yeah. different things that are going on. But I, there was one that wasn't bid on. And last minute I said, all right, I'll just take this one because it was more the utilities I want, as I mentioned. 
And next, all the same people were bidding again, and it all went up. And I was like, what's going on here? Eventually, because of the way the bidding process works, it, I don't know, is it 10 or 20 minutes? I think it's 10 supposed to be. And they were just bidding among themselves. Yeah. Next, I was watching it for a few hours. I said, I'm not going to get into this bid more. I could see this is a spammer or something. I even was looking at one account and I could see seconds that they had made loads of bid, which is impossible for a human being to do. So I said, there's a bot set up for this as well. Yeah. In the end, the bidding disappeared and nobody actually bought it. And one wow. bought it when it went up to one ether. Like that's full corruption. Because I mean, I what should happen is if you were bidding and you weren't really interested, you wouldn't buy when you get the option. And then it goes to the next person. So I should, I should have definitely got it at that. And now it's just gone back to normal market. I would assume that that's totally illegal. If you have a bid, and there was a minimum bid, which I had bid for. So yeah. I, meet, I met the actual, you know, let's call it the reserve in normal kind of bidding processes. So to me, that's full cor corruption. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. And we're seeing a lot of that, right? Um, we're seeing a lot of uh, market and price manipulation, um, not just you know in the NFT space, but in crypto in general. Web three um, has been a bastion of it for a while now. Absolutely. And do you like what's your thoughts? Do you think it's the people that are selling? I mean, it's something a hundred percent I will not do because I believe in being ethical and making sure. Look, if that's the price, the market is paying this, and it all comes down to a lot of marketing as well. I mean, I see that the marketing's, pay, you know, what what's done with a lot of these people, it's all down to marketing. They don't get it. Some people they're putting it out there and they're trying different techniques. But do you think it's actually the the creators of this art are doing it to manipulate the market, try and get it up, or is there actually spammers out there that just want to, as one of my friends said, me 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 you just to catch somebody to make they, they've got this kind of. You know, they feel good by somebody paying double what they should. It's difficult to say exactly who's perpetrating it. I mean, obviously, there's a number of stakeholders in any of these transactions. There could be people that are investors in it. There could be malicious hackers engaged in it. So it's difficult to point the finger at one group or one entity and say, oh, they're the ones that are that are definitely perpetrating the, the, the price manipulation. I, I do think that it will go away with the Web3 space. I think that as the markets mature, you're going to have regulation come in and you do still see that kind of, those kind of practice and nefarious practices that you're describing happening in the public markets, but it's something that's closely watched, right? And that will also evolve within Web3, whether it's within you know non-fungible tokens or within cryptocurrency itself. I, I think that the markets will mature and that that kind of behavior will, will subside and i mean like it's basically open seas systems that should be able to detect that and immediately remove them that they can never come back on for, for something like that especially when you know it's a bot i mean their system should pick up on something like that if it's done correctly but maybe it's so early days in this space that they're not set up for that yeah, I mean, uh, what you're describing, a private sector solution for you know, monitoring and removing that kind of behavior, I think would be ideal, right? Um, just having the exchange itself be able to police it, I think, is um, a situation in which, you know, everybody wins. Um, they're obviously not the, the price manipulators, but to me, that's more of an ideal solution. Exactly, exactly. So just how does your system work? Because I know... I know how, like some of them, the different platforms they're charging 15%, open spaces 2.5%, they, they all vary. 
But obviously, if you're providing a service and you're putting it in different places, for me, just say for me or for anybody else that's in that space, it's like you're giving us a bigger market that we normally wouldn't be able to do. So I just like, have you figured out your kind of pricing system? Yeah, absolutely. So our platform is priced based on the number of NFTs that are being brought to market. So if you have 50 or less NFTs, it's $99 per month uh, for the platform. If you have um, 50 to um, if you have 50 to 200 NFTs, it's 199 a month. And then if you have if you have 200 or more NFTs, the platform is 299 a month. And if somebody has like say 50, 45 or whatever, and they subscribe and then it's sold out. Is it something that you have to stay in there because of the way it's resold or what way will it work? Because like, I'm just thinking, does somebody come in for the month that they need the marketing done and put out the different platforms and then say, thanks very much and wait till maybe six months later when they've got another act to, to go out? Yeah, if if somebody has you know accomplished their mission, if the project is over and they've been able to distribute their NFTs, then they and they don't want to maintain a storefront. There's no need to. What we do find is that artists want to maintain that storefront even if they've sold out a project, simply because it's the marketing for them. There's a URL or a domain associated with it. People want to visit that site. People people are attracted to the artist's website. And you know, if they've had a project that's sold out, that kind of creates that FOMO. So with most of the artists we've worked with, they want to keep the site up. That's, that's what we've seen. Okay, and say like for the likes of what I'm doing, would there be the one site then that would be both the digital art and the photography or would you need two separate ones for that? Uh, for the digital art and the photography? Yeah, so basically like they're all NFTs. But is yes. it one site then that would be kind of associated with me and my company for, for that? Or would you need like one that's a because so, I don't know how it's actually marketed, put, put out there what way the system works. Like, so one is like, say, like our aim is to have uh, like exclusive digital art with the music and then pictures of the thing that could be one of, say, 50, for example, just to build the community, but not giving it away either. And the other one then is photography, because we've got fantastic photographers. That's going to be one of X amount. I see people doing one of 200, one of 50. It's something I'm going to be watching for the marketing side to see kind of where's the sweet spot. But going through your system, is it just one account that will cover all of that? Or is it a separate accounts that are needed for, for both? Yeah, no, you can definitely cover them both under a single account. You can have what we call collections on the system, where you have a collection for digital art, you can have a collection for photography as well. So those are separated or organized in the eyes of the consumer, uh, but that's not necessary. You can um, have them collectively all put in the same place. It's just a piece of functionality that exists um, within the platform itself. So you can have a single domain or a single site that carries both of those collections. Next thing now is because a lot of, I suppose the best way of kind of describing my thoughts on this, a lot of authors work with publishers and they pay X amount, but they still are responsible for doing the marketing. They think that they get in with a publisher and they do the marketing. Is this the same? Or have you a system where people are seeing this? Or must I promote the Shopify and kind of get my audience? Or is it a combination of both doing it? Yeah, and well, in terms of the marketing, um, so we we don't want to 
you know, say that we assume the marketing responsibility on the part of any artist. We're predominantly technology people and software creators. Uh, however, we do have a community where the members of that community share marketing, um, know-how and knowledge with each other. We have webinars where we bring in uh, projects that have been successful in the space and they talk about what they've done exactly from a marketing standpoint to be successful. Um, we really, 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 really feel like the biggest demand right now is twofold uh, for the NFT artists. One is accessibility to a larger pool of buyers, which our technology gives you. And the second is the know-how around getting that product or getting their digital assets to market, essentially. And so we aid in the bed or we help uh, creators and artists do both, although our primary focus is on the technology itself. Oh, excellent, excellent. That oh, sounds very good. So another two questions before we yeah. wrap up is one, have you got an affiliate system that's basically helping you grow your platform? Because, you know, I mean, the more people that you've got, the more that you kind of help. And I suppose at the end of the day, because it's such a massive market, but yet tiny, when you said, I don't know, did you say 130 million have bought an NFT or? No, no, no. 250,000 have bought an NFT. 130 million people have bought crypto. That's tiny. So the, you know, you know, it's like yes. unbelievable. I, on, you know, I, but I can tell people that this is really loads of people think, yeah, this is the bubble, but it's not like, it's like, if you get this. So one, do you have a kind of an affiliate system for, for what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So we are developing an affiliate system. We've signed our first agreements with our first uh, resellers, um, and we are looking to expand that program. So if um, you know anybody is interested in the platform itself, or they're interested in getting involved with the affiliate model, um, you can um, you know visit our website at uh, nftarc.network. Um, that's ARC as an ARC, so it's NFT, ARC, and then .network. Um, and definitely, we're happy to talk to anybody that wants to be involved with either leveraging the platform itself or helping distribute it, for sure. Excellent, excellent. And finally, because I get this, I get what you're doing, I think it's incredible. Are you actually looking for, is there, is there an investment that you're looking for for this, or are you actually, is it closed in? Um, so in, in terms of a capital raise, um, we will probably be um, engaging in that process um, within the near future, essentially. Um, we've, we've gone through or had a relationship with an investor or have a relationship with an investor um, from when we initially started the enterprise, which was plug and play. Um, they were an original investor in Google and in uh, PayPal and Dropbox as well. Um, but uh, in terms of raising our seed round, that should be happening um, within the near future. Awesome. Frank, I'm excited about this. I'm, I'm definitely going to give it a crack anyway. So you might let people know. You mentioned the website there, but where, where else, where, where they can get you? And you might mention the website again. Yeah, absolutely. So it's nftarc.network is our website and it's spelled nftarc.network. And the, the platform is called ARC, um, stands for Access and Revenue Control. Okay, excellent. And I think uh, in a few months down the line, when it's more advanced as well, perhaps we'll get you back just to let people know what's happening in this space, because I think you're going to be massive, to be honest with you. I think, I think you're right at the right time to do this and it, the market needs it. I would love to come back, Roy. Thank you for having me on. It's much appreciated. Thank you very much, Frank. So that's all for the crypto podcast. You'll find all our episodes on the cryptopodcast.org. As mentioned, we're on YouTube. Sure to give us a thumbs up. Five-star rating, subscribe, really helps. Until next week, take care.